0: Morning Liberty.
1: Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and with me today is Mr. Alan Stevo, author of the book, Face Masks in One Lesson. Love the title, by the way. That's really going to speak to a, a lot of our listeners. How are you doing today, man? Great. Thank you so much for having me, Nate. Uh, we, we really appreciate the time. And, you know, I, I had just listened to your interview on the Tom Woods show, and I, I, I just thought it was really cool that we were able to, to hook this up. And uh, if you want to give everyone just an introduction on yourself so we all know exactly who we're talking to and just get us going like that.
0: That, that sounds awesome. I've been uh, writing, writing 15 years about liberty causes and activists for, for individual freedom. Uh, health freedom being one of those topics, and uh, this book, Face Masks in One Lesson, is particularly about health freedom, um, starting with face masks, but moving on to a lot of other topics. If, if you're going to wear a face mask, you're going to take the vaccine, is uh, one of my theories I present in the book, and trying to, to stem that before, before we get to that kind of moment, that, that face masks are nice training wheels. Um, worked, worked a few. Ron Paul 2008, that was a joy. Ron Paul 2012, that was a joy. Rand Paul 2016, that was a joy. Um, written about 40 articles this year on LouRockwell.com. I, I love writing there because the art, audience is, is hardcore about the, the consistency of the message. And uh, if you go, Mr. Rockwell posts people's email addresses, the writer's email addresses. Uh, so instead of getting lambasted in a comment section you might never see, your inbox lights up if you go off topic and like do something intellectually inconsistent. And it's so wonderful to write there.
1: Yeah, that would be a lot different from uh, a lot of other media channels where you could talk and not be intellectually consistent whatsoever. Actually, people prefer if you're not intellectually consistent, I, I believe. So that is a breath of fresh air. I want, well, before we go on the face mask, you said Ron Paul, 2008, 2012. A lot of people didn't make the switch to Rand Paul 2016. Now, I was heavy Ron Paul 2012. I was late to the liberty movement. I wasn't there in 2008. I thought if John McCain didn't win, that the entire world was going to burn down in 2008. Uh, And then I was Ron Paul 2012. Actually, earlier today, in all caps, I posted Ron Paul won the election just to uh (laughs) uh, just just for fun and then in 2016 i drove 12 hours all the way to iowa just to see Rand paul speak so how do you you know how do you justify making that switch because i felt fine about it
0: do you remember do you remember what town you saw him speak in or no i thought Uh, we were in the same room
1: probably well it was uh ron was there too uh, as well it was uh i believe it was right before the iowa caucuses so it I believe it might've been in Des Moines, something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, pretty big room. Where we, same- we? We were in the same. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah I think uh, Rand came to the, to the back and did a little interview on Fox or something like that. Afterwards he came to the, to the, to the back of the room. And that's kind of right where we were standing. And it was, it was, it was a really cool experience. A little Ron Paul mobile was out, was out front, you know, it was all decorated with all the, all the uh, slogans and all that—it was fun, but I felt fine voting for Rand Paul because I still wrote him in in 2016 because that's who I wanted wow. to be the president. <laughs> but a lot of libertarians weren't able to entertain that idea.
0: Hey, it's a for for there to be a senator, a U.S. senator of, of that kind of uh, reputation, such high reputation and influence with with those kinds of ideas. I think. <laughs> We, we, we got to do everything we can to help someone like that. That's It's just something everyone can be proud of. I agree. Every American, really, even if you don't like those ideas, every American should be proud that someone like that is there representing those traditional American ideas.
1: And I, I've always been of the mind that if we were going to have a very small, limited government that we are going to need, sure, Ron Paul, I wish he would have won and been the president. We might need a whole lot of Rand Pauls before that happens, you know, just to get everything stepped down in the right direction. So that was kind of my mindset, trying to be strategic. But anyway, tell me about the book. Tell me about the idea behind Face Masks in One Lesson.
0: Yeah, you, uh, some some of your listeners might know Hazlitt's uh, economics in One Lesson, mm-hmm. and Hazlitt comes out of a very different time than the one we live in. Hazlitt um, maybe a lot of your listeners know that uh, Hazlitt used to write opinions for for the New York Times. Hmm. Um, you didn't know that, perhaps.
1: I didn't um, know that. I can't imagine them allowing such such ideas to exist on that platform.
0: No, he was very free market. He would write signed and unsigned um, editorial statements for the New York Times editorial board. Um, beloved, beloved contributing editor there. Um, so. Hazlitt wrote this book, Economics in One Lesson, that takes a few pages to kind of describe his lesson and to say what, what economics is to him, and then to kind of uh, elaborate on that step-by-step step in many, many variations. And similarly, similarly, I take I wrote this book, Face Masks in One Lesson, and I kind of take, take 10 pages, 15 pages, kind of describing what how to never wear a face mask again. That's what I do. I say, this is how you never wear a face mask ever again, how you do it legitimately. And I mean, never, ever again, for any reason, here's how you do it. These 10 pages, it's going to take you 10 minutes to read you're done for, for fast learners. You're done. You're done for very slow learners like me. (laughs) The rest of the book exists. You know, if you want to go through the other 250 pages before you uh, live a more free life, the rest of the book is for you. Um, at a grocery store, a dentist, uh, on an airplane, at jury duty, uh, at work, at school. How can you never again wear a face mask and to do it legitimately? That's, That's what the book is about.
1: Now, is it more on the lines of we believe in personal responsibility, limited government, and so we don't want to do this because there are governments saying to do this, or that masks are ineffective and potentially dangerous, and that's why we shouldn't do it? Which, which one of those lines would you say it most comes down on?
0: Yeah, I, I start I start the book off with uh, a study, which I think is the best study of the year. Uh, it's a review of 14 previous studies. It was published in a CDC journal uh, called Emerging Infectious Disease that was by uh, Zhao, X-I-A-O, May 2020. Uh, she's out of Hong Kong, her and her team. And they effectively said face masks don't work. So I start there. And there is... These studies, I've, I've had a joy reading through all these studies and determining why there's contrary viewpoints. Zhao is the best study of the year, I have no question. Last time I looked, um, when the book went to press, she had only been cited 22 times this year. You'd expect something like that, so monumental, so well done, to be 10,000 citations, 1,000 citations, but it was something like that, 21 times. Um, so it's been mostly ignored. That's important to know that you're not going to kill grandma. By not wearing a face mask there's a lot more going on than that and that message is really quite quite a negative message in society if you ask me um almost fraudulent fraudulently so um and i say and i encourage strongly that the people who think they can get away with it just say to others i'm not going to wear that stupid face mask that doesn't work we're in tough times if you want my hard-earned money let me through this door if not I'll go somewhere else with my money. I, I think that's an amazing approach. I don't spend the book doing that though. I spend the book mostly on a less desirous approach, which is to look at a policy, to look at an order, to see what you're doing, what, what, where you fit into it. And then they have a calm conversation with the manager on the phone. That's, that's the, the foundation of the book. Then there's many other kind of tidbits and pointers and, they say this, then you say this, and or you can try this, and many, many, it's, you will not believe the amount of an arsenal you'll have after reading this thing.
1: I think where 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 I have to start, because I'll tell you what I've been saying to our listeners, what myself and, and Charlie, the co-host who isn't here, have been saying to our listeners, is that uh, if face masks are a net benefit as far as the health of our society and stopping the spread, then... Now there's a big there's a big if then right there. If they are a net benefit, then I recommend that libertarians would freely choose to wear masks voluntarily because I would like to show that we don't that we do care about society and we don't have to be forced by the government to care about other people. And so that's what I said, but I said if they are a net benefit to people and they and they do actually save more people than they harm then I would like that to be the case because I would our, one of our big missions is the show that libertarians do care about other people. It's actually a very compassionate ideology that we hold. Uh, it just doesn't get sold that way very well. Um, and so that's where, that's where we've come down on it. And so where, for where I have to go is, are they doing more harm than good? And if they do more harm than good, then I don't want to be talking that message because I don't want to be falling into something that does like the lockdowns. I believe the lockdowns do more harm than good. So I could never say, let's just lock down. Let's just go with it. Everyone shut up and we'll just go with it right now uh, because I believe that does more harm than good on the long term. So, um, you know, I I really do think this, the idea that, well, one, we don't wear face masks properly anyway, right? I I know you talk about that. I mean, nowhere close do we wear them properly. I just washed mine for the first time in like a month. There's, you know, have, what, what have I been doing with this, this mask that I've had over my mouth that hasn't been washed in a month? I'm obviously not protecting myself or anyone else with this, with this hazard that I've been carrying around everywhere. <laughs> so, so you do spend some time on that in the book, which, uh, which, is, which is good, talking about the actual effectiveness of the mask. So I think that's very important. Um, and so the main question I think a lot of people are going to ask is, why not just wear this mask and just get over it? We'll we'll slow the spread. We'll, we'll 15 days to crash the economy or whatever the same was. I can't remember uh, to uh, to flatten the curve. And then we'll, it'll be done. And then no one will be wearing masks anymore. And it'll be fine, right? And so, you know, why not just wear it? and And why put all this time into a book, you know, on it? This
0: will be over by the time the book has reached everyone in the
1: country, right?
0: I, I hope my book can become obsolete as quickly as possible. That would be <laughs> a total joy to me for, for it to be obsolete and forgotten and needless. Um, and this, you know, why? There's a few good whys. There's a few good whys. Um, it's just bad to train yourself to do something that's not efficacious. Um, if that's the smallest inconvenience to you, the smallest piddly inconvenience to you, it's just bad practice to say to yourself, I'm going to lie to myself and others in this tiny, tiny way. And, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying when you visit grandma to go have a fight with her, if she really believes in face masks, there's no reason to argue with grandma. You know, maybe, maybe honestly, you just put on your face mask when you're with grandma, because that makes her comfortable. Who knows? Who knows? That's, that's a a choice to everyone. Um, And I really like the, the kind of, the way you, Nate, you're, you're speaking kind of about libertarianism with, with some kind of moral, moral compass attached to it. I think that's a beautiful a beautiful way to look at freedom. Um, this, this thing, we live in a time where there is, it is not hard to call this tyranny what is happening. And in, in the USSR, something they were never able to do, the state was publicly atheist, the government was publicly atheist, and something they were never able to do in the USSR was close down the churches. They just, the Russian people wouldn't allow it. A year ago, if you would have said to me, almost every church in the United States is going to close down, I, <laughs> no chance. I would never have said, no possibility. That's, that's this important moral foundation of our liberty in the US, and this important segment that protects liberty for all of us these, these church going folks, but no, this is, this is tremendous tyranny. We live in far worse than the USSR in some degrees. And in the face of that, you're going to find, I won't use the word psychopath or sociopath, which are probably very accurate terms. I use the word <laughs> yeah. bully, more general bully. Sometimes at face mask compliance checkpoints and other checkpoints and positions of authority, sometimes bullies end up in that situation. And if you tell a bully, oh, I'll, I'll wear your face mask, no problem. The bully eventually is going to say to you, well, I need you to wear goggles too in this store. And then the bully is going to say to you, well, I need you to hop around on one leg for the next hour in our store. That's the only way to slow the spread and to save grandma. Well, it would be just as efficacious as wearing the face mask, maybe even more efficacious because you'd be perhaps losing weight, which is a greater cause, uh, obesity being a, a greater problem with COVID-19. But here you're standing up to, to misinformed authority, to, to this bald-faced authority. And in doing so, in doing so, uh, you prevent these, these further kind of oversteps and overreaches, which is just incredibly important in a time like this because it doesn't turn back any other way. And sometimes it's not your oppressor's fault that you are so oppressible. The freedom is there for you to grab it. And we have the, the, the many opportunities to do that. Right now, in front of us, and so few people are standing up and grabbing that freedom.
1: It's very true. What you'll find with people is they'll they'll push just they'll push just a little bit, and you'll bend just a little bit, you know. And then the, the people retract back to to not pushing against you, and then they'll go a little bit further, and then pull back, and and these things become normal over time. What you'll see where where maybe I'm like you, I can't believe we've had a lot of churches closed. I say a lot, the majority of churches have had to close and I I would have never imagined a time where this would happen. And that happens so quickly like this. It it's it's just insane. And then well, a lot of people did it. So a few years from now something else pops up. We got a bad flu season or something like that. Well guess what? We we saw that everyone would would put up with closing the churches for that reason. And then we could do a bunch of great stimulus after we closed down the economy and, and take over some more parts of the economy with the with the government. And and it you just keep increasing the tyranny at at small levels over a long period of time, and that's how you end up where we are right now. Because uh, because a hundred years ago, someone didn't say "screw you," I'm not paying your damn income tax. <laughs> you know, and 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 so then you end up and then you end up right here. One thing that you said I liked a lot is that it's it assuming that they're that they're not actually effective and maybe dangerous, it's a lie to walk around wearing it. And you have millions of people walking around lying to themselves and lying to everyone else that somehow everything is safer right now and it's not actually safer. And maybe that part isn't what matters. What matters is that the entire bulk of the society has been okay with propagating a lie to make each other feel better all the time. And to me, that is the that is the really bad incentive that we're building right now is, is propagating that, that ability to, to lie just to make yourself feel better. And that's always, I mean, I I can't name a good time for that really ever. Sorry. I know that wasn't a question.
0: (laughs) So so No, it's so well put because really, really what we're seeing right now is, uh you know, the the face mask is a lie. And then the face mask unwashed is a lie. And then the idea that neck gaiter and face mask are the same, or that face mask and maybe N95 that properly fits is the same, right? These are all just these kind of lies that, that, and they're built on top of other lies that we see all around us in the culture right now. And it's not. it'd be nice if there were only one lie going on right now, but I I don't know. I have a, I have a friend, wonderful friend who's, uh, he's, he's from Greece and he has a heavy immigrant accent and he can get away saying, he can get away saying with his heavy accent, where I come from, there are only two genders. (laughs) And I, you know,
1: who
0: who the heck, who the heck's going to challenge that when he says something like that, right? (laughs) But I don't know. Maybe there are, who knows? Who knows? (laughs) No need to go down that road. But there are many, many kinds of things around us where people are left kind of scratching their heads, you know, what's, what's going on here around us? PCR testing, there's a lovely, the way, the way we do COVID testing, there's a lovely letter from, from uh, November 27th written by 22 researchers. And these aren't, uh, this isn't the local doctor, though the local doctor, some of them really know a lot of things. Um, 22 researchers very publicly say, uh, these PCR tests don't work. Uh, fear is being driven by them. When you do 35 cycles or more, you end up with 97% false positivity rate. So all of this narrative around uh, n- new wave, second wave, this is based on PCR testing. It's total nonsense. Purple counties, nonsense. Uh, more, more people are being infected. D- based on what? If you're doing a PCR test, it's based on zero. It's nonsense. Or this vaccine. My goodness. The 1976 Guillaume barre becomes a household name in the U.S. because some some uh, election time vaccine was rushed through emergency approval. And it was nonsense. Or or 2009, uh, a bunch of people trust the government, and say, oh, let's do emergency approval. And some of them are healthcare workers, government employees. And they're saying they're saying uh, for, for the last 10 years, they've been chasing on the government trying to say, I got narcolepsy now. They went for a flu shot that wasn't properly approved, that that didn't get properly tested. Now they they don't function. They fall asleep all the time because of some stupid flu shot. I have have narcolepsy. I hope
1: that's not what it's from. (laughs) Is that true? I have narcolepsy, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. No, that's something to uh, consider if you got your jab in 2009.
1: Yeah, I I got all kinds of vaccines uh, in, to- in 2015, uh, because I was going overseas to play music for the troops with my band, and I got every vaccine that you would need as a soldier that was going overseas. Um, and I found that a couple of years ago, I found that I had narcolepsy, but um, I don't know if that's what it's from. <laughs> Could just be some correlation. I don't know. <laughs> I, don- I don't guess there's that's ever the- any way to really know.
0: <laughs> these these uh, The idea of Going forward with an untested vaccine, it's it's wonderful. There's no mandates, and it's wonderful the the marketplace is able to produce such a thing. Uh, I hope I hope none of your listeners will easily step into that idea of running to the vaccine to protect themselves. This is when a vaccine goes bad, it goes bad. I have a friend, uh, vaccine injured as an adult. She believes she spent one point two million dollars out of pocket rehabilitating herself, and is still not hundred percent. This is. It, they go bad when they go bad.
1: Yeah, all of our all of our listeners uh, that I've spoken to, and even uh, most of my family members, my wife, everyone has had the general consensus of, well, I'll wait a few years and see how the vaccine looks, and as long as it doesn't have a lot of negative effects, well, then, then I'll consider taking it after that. Uh, no one, I haven't talked to anyone who was just like, yeah, I'm gonna rush out there and get that thing asap, and that's because pretty much everyone in my circle. I mean, we're not we're not really worried about. I'm not, I'm, I don't know if it just makes me a bad person, but I'm not worried about getting COVID, really. I'm 33. I'm in good health. Statistically, there are so many other things I should be worried about other than whether or not I'm going to get COVID. Now, my, my mom currently has pneumonia right now for the second time this year. And, I and so I, I do worry about uh, whether or not I would carry it around her. In, in some kind of way, because she obviously has issues with that. So there is a whole other realm of problems there. But I mean, this vaccine has obviously been rushed. I hope that all my free market arguments I've made about how companies would not wanna damage their name and their brand by putting out things that are gonna hurt massive amounts of people. Uh, I, I hope that that is all correct and that they all know that if this vaccine, that Pfizer, if their vaccine goes terribly, uh, that it is going to absolutely kill their stock price. <laughs> that it's gonna that it's gonna kill their company, and hopefully they've taken that into effect. But then again, I don't know how much money the government will be willing to inject into their stock price.
0: So <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure. So Nate, <laughs> since 1986, since 1986, vaccine maker. I, I like I like your thinking on that. Since 1986, vaccine manufacturers have not had any liability for uh, for vaccines. There this Pfizer Pfizer will be totally indemnified and bailed out for this for anything bad that happens in this situation. No, I think there's zero risk to Pfizer right now. It's a very sad situation. And there should be next on the line right now is what should be happening. But there the marketplace is not being able to to do that. Unfortunately,
1: that is a problem when you're not operating within a free market, then all those things I just said go out the window. Because if there are no repercussions uh, for anything that you do that that hurts a lot of people, if there's no incentives to make sure that you're going to put out the best possible product at the best possible price and that if it's not good, you're going to pay the price for it later on, whether it's through litigation or your your stock price or going out of business. If none of that exists, then all that incentive structure is out the window. So uh, that's, that's the unfortunate situation we live in with uh, no free market in the
0: healthcare industry whatsoever. Um, one thing just... <laughs> situation, I kind of go through, in Face Mask in One Lesson, I kind of go through like, just be sure to kind of uh, know your boundaries and to, to communicate your boundaries and to defend your boundaries to others, that this is, this is so important. You know, it, it has to do with face masks and it has to do with uh, driving a car and it has to do with vaccines and it has to do with testing and what to do at work, right? It's all these things come down to you and your boundaries and your courage. This is very uh, libertarian concept, uh, very manly concept, I'll even say, to say, hey, just know your boundaries and defend them. That's what this whole book is about. That's what everything going on this year is about.
1: And it is. And a lot of people have shown that they really have no boundaries. It's been very disappointing to see uh, how far this has been allowed to go this year. I I never thought I would see that. And well, you know, I say I never thought I would see it we talk about all of these things being a possibility someday if we continue down the road that we've been on. I never thought it would all happen inside of one year. That, that's how I, That's what I would say. I've, I've said to Charlie, the co-host a bunch of times, we talk about these things on the podcast for several years now. We have to think that they are possible to actually happen or we're just up here lying to people fear-mongering all the time. And so I have to accept that I actually did think a lot of this could happen I'm very surprised by the small amount of time it all happened in. I I didn't think it would happen uh, quite that fast. But uh, just for someone, um, you know, say they haven't read the book yet yet or anything, um, what are some of the ways that you would go about getting around wearing the face mask or to never wear a face mask again? That is the important part.
0: (laughs) I mentioned a website earlier, lewrockworld.com, and some of this writing appears there. Uh, Some of the concepts, the book is not a reproduction of that writing, but uh, that, that was where some of the book was kind of worked out if they don't want to spend money on the book they can easily click around lourockwell.com a little and find find some of the same stuff the book's far more informative beyond that um, but things things that I think are just fantastic are um, um, I ask one day one day I asked readers at lourockwell.com to um, to send me their local face mask orders and I got such an overwhelming reply. It was, and I love reading these things. It's, it's something I love reading about them is that there are exemptions in them a mile wide. There's Sonoma County, California. If you have trouble breathing in a face mask, you don't need to wear a face mask. I, I don't even know what human has, doesn't have trouble breathing in a face mask. Um, so there's some of the wording is very, in Michigan, where the uh, evil tyrannical governor is, uh, she, kindly, she kindly was uh, forced <laughs> to put in there If you're in a religious establishment, you may not be – you may not get in trouble for not wearing your face mask in there. Anyone in a church doesn't have to wear a face mask under the Michigan order. Um, So there's all these – if you just look at the order, if you just – and I mean that in terms of political realms. There's more than 3,000 counties in the U.S., and you just look up your county face mask order. That's that's one way to start. Um, And I I do not call them a law. Your audience will be astute at the distinction between – what comes from a legislature and what comes from a bureaucrat. I literally have
1: that as a question in here, if you distinguish an actual law versus an order.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I I feel a little bad that the book gives credence to these orders by even saying, look at them. But again, as I said, the book is about, it's written about a less advantageous option that more people can kind of feel comfortable with. A lot of people right now will feel comfortable saying, I have a legal excuse. I have a piece of paper. This helps some people. And that's, so one thing is to just look at that face mask order. And you're going to Trader Joe's, you're going to uh, Lowe's, and you know they've got some kind of face mask policy. I recommend as well there, get a hold of that face mask policy. And whatever's posted at the door is not a face mask policy. Any chain over a certain size has a legal document written by a lawyer that, that goes through eight pages of what to do around face masks. And in there, there's a section that says, who doesn't have to wear a face mask? Some places, Walmart, um, I don't know if the policy remains true at this moment or not. I have not looked for two months, maybe at the policy. Walmart had an internal policy that you could just walk in that door and say, I'm not wearing a face mask. The greeter is supposed to get the manager. The manager is supposed to challenge you. Then you say, I'm not wearing that face mask. Leave me alone. I'm not wearing it. If you challenge the manager after the manager has asked you to put one on and given you a little pressure, if you challenge the manager again, Walmart, as a national policy, uh, allows you to just keep shopping. That's it. They want you to have two challenges. And these, this pressure comes from their insurance providers a lot. They don't want to end up in a lawsuit where their insurance provider says, I'm not going to get their back. If you look at these policies, you have so much more confidence, so much more ability to say, Hey, look, paragraph eight right here. Have a look at this. Read it with me. You're not following your own policy. Or to call up, the national headquarters and say store number 1782 is not following their policy. And you know what? This sounds totally ridiculous, Nate. That I'm asking you to <laughs> go through all this effort. But you know what? No one is saying to anyone else, uh, "I need you, Nate, to to spend your your uh, Christmas in a fetid French trench right now, fighting for liberty." <laughs> right? I'm not. I'm not putting you over over in France fighting for your liberty. I'm not telling you that lie. I'm not saying to you. I'm not saying to you, you got to storm Omaha Beach for your liberty, Nate. You dying on Omaha Beach is going to protect your liberty. I'm not saying that to you either. I'm not even trying to make that argument, right? What I'm saying is, can you take three minutes right now to have a conversation with a manager where you're using your brain a little and trying to motivate the manager to do the same? Because that's going to protect your liberty tremendously. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to work immediately. It's going to work every time you walk through that store. You're never going to have to have, a, have that conversation again, most likely. And you know what? The 14 other people who follow after you are not going to have that conversation either most likely. You're doing a tremendous favor in the world with your 3 minutes of effort is what I am asking. This is this is one kind of technique used in the book.
1: I think there's a really big issue right now with these social pressures for wearing the mask also, because I think, well, yeah, I could I could probably get the store to not make me wear the mask. And then I'm going to go in there and some dude's going to walk up to me and punch me in the face or, or dump a bucket of water on me or something like I saw in the video the other day, which is ridiculous. And uh, or I'm going to just everyone in there is going to going to hate me or they're going to think I'm a Trump voter. Or something like that. You know, there's there's all kinds of terrible terrible things, implications that could come from that. And to me, that's one of the bigger hurdles to get around is just not feeling like you're hated everywhere you're walking or like you're killing grandma the whole time that you're walking around.
0: I want I want to encourage you, Nate. I want to encourage your listeners uh to not to not be so concerned about those feelings. Sometimes there's uh something greater you have to appeal to. And there's, there's a wonderful author, uh, Stephen Baskerville. Um, and this is a piece of unpublished writing from him. He, uh, he says, uh, he who is afraid to anger or offend is not yet a man. Hmm. And this distillation, that statement he makes is just, to me, brilliant. And just kind of reminds me in my own life, I'm I'm as guilty of this as anyone. It reminds me in my own life, hey, there's more important things than thinking what's someone writing about me on Facebook. What's someone thinking about me? Is someone having a temper tantrum? These aren't. Is someone in my face for a few minutes? If they're throwing water on me, they're in the wrong, and there's going to be trouble. Hmm. If they're punching me, they're in the wrong. And there's going to be trouble. They've crossed the line. It's not appropriate. But someone someone's trying to have a conversation with me. So what? Maybe I need to walk away. Maybe I need to engage. I don't know. But to, to just, sometimes your values require you to not have to worry about angering someone, not worrying about offending anyone. It, those things happen. Their emotions will pass. Yeah,
1: and, and to me, one thing, a uh, hurdle that we, we have to get over is uh, the study that you mentioned, uh, or that it was actually... a a lot of studies together, I think you said 14 studies that someone was talking about this.
0: 14 studies, yeah. and the, all studies were randomized controlled trials and uh, laboratory confirmed results. Yeah. No PCR testing, laboratory confirmed results.
1: And and so I think a lot of people would have to get over the hurdle of these masks are a lie, they don't help, and they could actually hurt, and then I would be, and then I'm willing to, to go through the trouble of talking to the manager or reading these orders because if they, if they help, then I'm like, I don't know, I don't agree with seatbelt laws, you know, but I wear my seatbelt because I think it's, I think it's the smartest thing to do when I'm driving because I think it's a more net positive uh, than, than if I were driving 80 down the interstate and not wearing a seatbelt. But I think seatbelt laws are ridiculous. And, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna wear one. I have to believe that wearing that seatbelt is better for me and better for everyone else that's on the road for me to actually put it on. And it has nothing to do with whether or not the government has mandated that I wear a seatbelt. It's, it's the actual efficacy of wearing one. And so, so to me, uh, we, and with the censorship on social media and, and media in general, how do you even get that information out to people? How do people not just decide it's fake news? You know, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. People only believe what they wanna believe. And this, this lie has been so heavily propagated now I don't even know how, to, how you go about changing minds or getting the right information out there anymore. Maybe you write a book.
0: <laughs> Maybe. And you yeah. know what? I get to talk to a few people before I get canceled. Yeah. So what? That's <laughs> happened in, in every war, in everywhere war for time eternal. The, anyone who stands up with, with three stars on their lapel, you know the sniper's going to go after them. Um, the, the guy sitting in the back on the, the highest horse, the sniper's going to go after them. Um, this is this is normal in any war. We we are in a we are in a, a battle in many ways right now. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with people getting canceled. It must be there's everything wrong with it. But we must accept in in the situation we're in. These are things that happen, and we need to prepare for it and move on and elevate the next general. Make sure Nate Nate has the platform that that person X used to have that just got canceled. Um, or to uh, make sure we have other ways to to follow person X. The what you said though, what you said though about uh, kind of convincing people. Do um, you ever hear of the writer? He would have written an essay in the nineteen forties, probably. Um, Alfred J. Nock. Does that ring a bell at all to you? Knock? No, it
1: does not. No.
0: Um, there's an essay that that I'd like I'd like to ask you to to read because it's really something that um, I think might appeal to someone in your situation where where you you have a platform and you do, you do enjoy such communication with your audience about ideas. Um, there's an essay called Isaiah's Job that he wrote. Um, Isaiah's Job is just this, fant- I don't know, it probably takes 15 or 20 minutes to read. Um, and I read it a few times a year usually to kind of remind me uh, what that guy was recommending once upon a time. The prophet Isaiah and many prophets in the Old Testament, they're not assured riches, they're they're not assured um, people will come up to them and say, man, that was a great idea. They're not assured a long life. Um, that's for sure. Um, they they got in a lot of trouble. They lived a downtrodden existence in a lot of ways. They were sure of one thing. They were sure of one thing, and that was that someone was listening to them. They might never never hear from that person who was listening to them. They might never know which person was listening to them or how many, but they were assured that A group called The Remnant existed. And when everything else in society fell apart, that remnant would still be there listening and that that prophet existed to nourish the remnant, to feed the remnant, to make sure the remnant uh, was was reached out to and heard the word. And this, I don't want to convince any of your listeners to stop wearing a face mask. Um, I want to reach the listeners who already know they want to stop wearing a face mask. And face masks in one lesson is how to stop wearing a face mask. There's lots of whys to stop wearing a face mask and debates about this. This is how to never wear a face mask again. That's what face masks in one lesson is about. And it really, those are the people I want to reach. The others, they may come along on their own, or they might be wearing masks for 40 years. I don't know. Those, those people, the kinds of people who have written me so many times, hundreds of times this year, saying, how do I stop wearing a face mask in this situation? How do I do this? This has been a nightmare for me. Help me, help me, Alan. This these kinds of readers who know already that this is nonsense and it has to stop in their lives, that they want a higher standard in their lives, this is my remnant. These are the people I want to reach. The others, they can come along whenever they want. No no pressure, do whatever they want. That remnant I'm here for.
1: Now, what kind of crazy uh, rules have you seen on this? For instance, I was at a casino a few weeks ago, and at that casino, you had to have a mask on at all times, covering your nose as well. Um, the, you know, literally, I let it get below my nose for a little bit, and like, sir, sir, you got to put that up over your nose, or they're gonna they're gonna have you removed uh, from the table. You had to have it on unless you were drinking or smoking, and then you could take it off. And let, and I just I could not get over the fact the whole time that I had to have it on, or I could be kicked out, unless I was literally smoking for several minutes and exhaling just real just real big and and then it was okay for me to not have a mask on (laughs) have you seen some other ridiculous things like that around the like for instance in texas uh well you can get a drink as long as they give you a bag of chips with it and then it's okay to be in public drinking as long as you get this bag of chips (laughs) also we've seen so many things like this that these lies (laughs) that we've seen all year have you seen some crazy stuff like that
0: Oh yeah. And uh someone wrote me someone wrote me a few days ago um their local ski hill mandates so no mask on the slopes. That's good, you're exercising, yeah. but you must mask yourself when you go into the the ski chalet. And so let's say you're 70 years old, you, you have good knees and you're strong, and you've you've gone downhill for the last two hours, maybe, and you're ready for a rest. So the moment, the moment that you need to go take a rest and trudge with those those boots around poles and skis and who knows what else, running around children, that's the moment where you have to limit your airflow. <laughs> Anyone who trips and falls in that situation is going to have the, the most wonderful payout, the most, easy, the most easy time in court, I imagine. And the insurance company that figures out that that's going on is going to so quickly put an end to it. This this would be an example of just like utter nonsense that that no one is thinking through what this could mean to the the individual person exercising that their rest spot must be must be a a masked spot.
1: Yeah, it's it's very
0: very thought through and, and we shouldn't expect average people to need to think these things through to this extent to put up with all this nonsense from the trusted minds it's total nonsense, total nonsense.
1: It it is. You've also been at an altitude for a lot of that time. You probably need some oxygen. You probably just need some, (laughs) some some just nice, nice oxygen coming in out of your body. Well, let's put a mask on over your face. That, that should help. That'll help grandma for sure. Uh, So how much of this is just a, just a big symptom of this continued nanny state that we have, that they feel like every little thing has to be protected and taken care of all the time, that there's no personal responsibility. There's only what the state has decided is good and bad for you. And you don't ever have to think for yourself. You don't have to make those kinds of decisions. Like, it is, are we dealing with actual medicine right now? Or are we dealing with uh, some some politics? Is that really all we're dealing with?
0: I, I like that you bring up the word medicine, because, you know, medicine has, there, there are many flaws to the U.S. medical system. And I can speak at length about cartilization, but I won't right now. Um, but the uh, the medical system, um, the concept of medicine, it goes back 2,500 years and more uh, to the Hippocratic Oath, and it, it's very individual in nature. The concept of medicine there's there's an individual patient and an individual doctor, and the uh, two of them are together against the world essentially. That's there's so many kind of concepts and ethics built into that relationship that in so many ways say, it's the two of them against the world. In the uh, really awful period in a lot of ways of uh, just just the most horrific, almost utilitarian ideas about society, um, in the the 1870s, the 1880s, a different concept came along, which we now call public health. Um, Public health is the polar opposite of medicine. Instead Instead of it being very individual and doctor and patient against the world, it suddenly says, oh, your health should be decided by plebiscite. It should be decided by this group of people. Uh, your health affects everyone, right? These are the most tyrannical, horrible ideas have been spread with the same idea. Your health affects everyone. Your well-being affects everyone. No, it doesn't. It doesn't affect everyone. That's just not how it is. That's not how individualism works. It's it's you and the people you choose. Uh, your family, your tribe, whatever that may be against others. And that's okay. Not everyone is in this together and that's okay. So when you say medicine here, it it must be uh, contrasted with public health. This concept here that we're seeing this year, this is the first year where public health officials and people we didn't know and didn't want to know. And I mean, these people in DC, these public health professionals, they're they're loathsome people. They don't even belong on this TV, except for the fact that they have such power. For the first time, we've seen what happens when you take the technocratic class and put it in charge, especially the public health professionals. What happens to a society? The worst things happen. This And public health is very much rooted in communist ideas. And it's, it's rooted in also creepy Malthusian ideas, population control, and uh, this utilitarian idea that If grandma is worth two utils dead and one util alive, then we know accounting-wise what's supposed to happen with grandma. This is terrible. This is bad. And Nate, you're making some utilitarian arguments as we speak, and they make sense for you individually. What's the risk-benefit of wearing a seatbelt? I get it. That's different. That's a different story. But to, to diminish liberty to utilitarian concepts, this is... No good ever. There's there's more to liberty than just utilitarian utilitarianism. Yeah. And public health is utilitarianism.
1: I think we could call public health either, if we substitute it and call it political health, I think that that would make more sense. Or if we called it uh, collective health, maybe more people would understand that that's something that we w- might want to go against because it really is this, this collective decision-making instead of on an individual basis. And uh, 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 what we've seen with these public health officials coming out and just dictating what people can do in their lives. I mean, in California, I think it's been the worst so far. Like I said, before we started, I'm in Nashville, and I feel like I've kind of gotten through pretty much unscathed on this, mainly because I live right next to a county where I could literally go into a store without a face mask, more than likely right now, and no one's going to say anything. I can go in the gas stations, no face masks, everything's going to be fine. Um, But in California, I mean, the the public health officials are are running the world. (laughs) over there, ruining the world.
0: You know, there's, um, this is a thing that public health officials want you to believe. They, they'd like you to believe that, that Newsom's really in charge, that the public health officials are really in charge. And, you know, in California, uh, you've got about 20 miles along the coast that has one way of doing things. And you go inland from that, it is a different state. There's no question, and it's just <laughs> restaurants are open and people are happily unmasked, and their politics is flying out on a flag behind their truck, and <laughs> no one's keep their car, or else there's going to be trouble. And it's it's a different world, and I you wouldn't expect this about California from watching the news, but that's that's what's going on, and this is kind of a you know this is a message that gets gets kind of uh, pushed upon us. Um, I'd, like to share, I'd like to share a little note that, that someone wrote me. It'll take about, I don't know. It might take 45 seconds to read. Go ahead. This is in the book, 224. But there's this, this notion that through every period in history, you even spoke about the income tax. You said, because people didn't oppose it then. No, people opposed it. They might want you to believe no one opposed it, there's opposition everywhere in history. From 1776, once you got 30 people in a room, and before 1776, once you got 30 people in a room, you couldn't find agreement among those 30 people, no chance. And to this day, that continues, which is a beautiful mm-hmm. thing about humanity. Here, this, this, guy, this guy wrote me this wonderful this wonderful letter about when Roosevelt... Uh, Confiscated the gold when Roosevelt made gold ownership illegal. Dear Mr. Stevo, in 1933, when Roosevelt closed the banks, my great grandfather, Marion Hezekiah Kai Holden, Old Man Hendricks, and Old Man Chitwood, that's all I ever heard them called, saddled their horses and rode into town, Atoka, Oklahoma. When they arrived at the bank, they pinwheeled the horses up to the front door. Each man had a Winchester laying across the saddle horn. There was a U.S. Marshal on either side of the door. Old man Hendricks got down and went into the bank and withdrew all his deposits in gold and silver coin. He returned and remounted. Then Kai did likewise, followed by Chitwood. They were the only ones that got their gold and silver deposits out of the bank. The U.S. Marshals never moved. Be blessed. That's the story... Always humanity resists the courageous people resist. There's no question about it. So the question is then in this moment in time, this very important moment in time, this, this moment that is the kind of Epic fight between good and bad. And I really believe this, this, this is happening right now that there is a good and there is a bad in these matters. This Epic fight is happening. An Epic that, that, uh, Beowulf would have dreamed to have been involved in, an epic that Gilgamesh would have dreamed to have been involved in, an epic that Ben Johnson wished he could have written about. This is this kind of moment we live in. The last 100 years of American literature have been garbage. The next 300 years of American literature will be dictated by a moment like this. People like me, maybe, might get to be read by schoolchildren for the next 300 years. People like you, Nate, might be able to get read by schoolchildren for the next 300 years. This is a moment where the courageous get to choose. Am I going to stand up? am I going to sit down? And everyone gets to make that decision for themselves. You don't have to change the whole world, but in your own life, you get to say, what muscles am I going to strengthen? Am I going to strengthen the obedience muscle? Or am I going to right now decide, this is my line. This line will not be crossed. Anyone who crosses that line is going to test a different muscle of mine. And that's what I'm going to do. No questions asked. Many Americans are doing that right now. That's very courageous. And I'm, I'm, Truly inspired by the amount of attention this book has gotten, the amount of uh, reception it became a bestseller its first week. The amount of reception that uh, I've gotten from the media about this. This is it's fantastic how many Americans are standing up right now.
1: That's great. I mean, man, I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go out and go out and fight somehow. I don't know what I, I don't know what I can do. I keep running into this issue that that freaking Nashville isn't making me doing any do anything right now. So I can't go out there and <laughs> I can't I can't resist at the at the moment you know one thing i think would be great is if some local if if business owners would also read up on their rules their their orders and post on their door say that there's some people who already have disagreements with this and and they think they need to require people to do it because the state or the county has said that people have to do it right i think it would be great to encourage business owners who are um, along this line of thinking to actually post what people have to do you you kind of have to wear a face mask, but not really there. Here's all the reasons how you could not do it. Uh, For instance, this is what my dad did at his grocery store. He's in Illinois, of course, just a a lockdown, tyrannical state that Illinois is. He posted on his door and said, due to health concerns for some of the workers at our establishment, we we will not be requiring anyone to wear face masks uh, due to potential breathing problems. And so we won't be requiring you to wear face masks either. And if this bothers you, then don't come in. <laughs> and and that's pretty much what he put on the door. And then he put the Gadsden flag uh, underneath it. And he got really? called. And he got called a racist because <laughs> of the Gadsden you know flag. Right? But that's a whole other story. It
0: means, nothing, means nothing anymore than. Sadly, it's an important word, but it means nothing anymore than I don't like you. I know. Sadly, that's what it's been devalued to. But. You know this this of the Hut, of the Hut in Illinois, <laughs> uh, with his mask orders. He uh, and I come I come from Illinois. I was born in the South Side of Chicago. Um, the uh, the idea that COVID, I, I learned as quickly as I could how to protect my family from COVID. I read as many studies as I could from January on. Um, I intentionally lost some weight during COVID, recognizing that being overweight was, was re- a legitimate problem. Having, having comorbidities, being overweight, having diabetes, uh, being 80, these, these are issues that like, do cause trouble. The face mask is nonsense. Like me, I can, I can probably still gain to lose a few pounds to keep myself as healthy as possible. Like me, Governor Pritzker could, <laughs> instead of being the most ridiculous hypocrite, could probably do what I did and try to lose a few pounds. No offense to anyone. I'm, I'm, I, I decided, look, the studies say it's time to lose a few pounds. So I tried to, but the man, that man, the things he's doing to Illinois are just horrible. And for what reason you just said, you said, you said, Nate, you know, what do I do? The the Liberty around you, the community of Liberty around you has insulated you from this problem right now. And now you can choose you can choose to do what every generation since the baby boomers have done. You can choose to live off of the capital of the trust fund you've inherited, the, the, the societal trust fund, the cultural trust fund, the liberty trust fund. You can choose to spend it and to, to not contribute to it because that's what every generation has done. Or at this moment, when you say, well, no one's talking to those business owners and no one's making me wear, wear a mask, thank goodness. Maybe that frees up 30 minutes of my week to go talk to a few business owners and explain. I know a group on Saturday, what they're gonna do, they're gonna go Christmas caroling in lockdown land, unmasked, and they're gonna go to small business owners and hand out little flyers and explain to them uh, the situation, the way they see it. And uh, they'll get some phone numbers, and uh, before you know it, those small business owners will be united in a group. And uh, this, this tyranny doesn't stop tomorrow, and this group that's going Christmas caroling Brilliant idea if you ask me to go Christmas caroling at Christmas time. Um, that, <laughs> that group is going to have a little bit of a movement that uh, one of the governors in lockdown land won't like very much. And it's gonna be effective. All you need, Mark Twain wrote about this. Against a courageous man, a lynch mob of 10,000 people can do nothing. Because they're all cowards. They get their strength from the mob. They don't get their strength from, from uh, inside themselves. So one courageous man can shout down a lynch mob of ten thousand. It doesn't take very much to shout down a tyrant.
1: You know what I think I'm going to do here. I I love this idea and I love the idea of taking responsibility to do this. I'm going to look up all the local mask orders around uh, around my area, and what I would like to do is print up something to send out to the business owners so they know exactly what they should be requiring. Their their employees and their customers uh, to have, and maybe I'll even make it on something that they could stick on their door. Let's see. I need something to do today, so we'll do we'll do something like that. <laughs> I'm just gonna hey, take
0: some of my time. Stati- I have an interesting statistic for you. Yeah, those uh face mask orders that you're gonna print up. No one has ever read them. <laughs> I true. challenge you. I challenge you to prove me wrong. Uh, the the people enforcing them are reading the press releases that come with them. The people who are enforcing them are watching the news. And I mean, I don't know how trusted journalists are in your neck of the woods, but I know that, eh. um, yeah. the news isn't the best place for information. The sources. And I, I think that's brilliant what you just said. Let's go to the source and learn more.
1: Yeah, and what what I found because I read Davidson County. That's where Metro Nashville is. Now they had face they they probably still have a face mask order, but I read it as soon as they made it. And what I initially came out with was I don't actually have to wear a face mask. That was, that was the first thing I noticed was I was like, wait, there are so many exemptions on this thing that I
0: don't actually have to do anything. I wish I could high five you right now. I feel my, you know, the impersonal removed from society situation we're in. Zoom five, leaves me yeah. short of high Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well,
1: I really, I really appreciate your time today. This has been an awesome interview, man. I, I think that, um, I think that our listeners are going to find this very valuable and, uh, I, I want to tell everyone to check out the book face mass in one lesson, Alan Stevo. You, you got anything else today, man? Is uh, anything else needs to be said?
0: You no, know, it's, it's up to everyone individually. There's no need to, to have a mass movement that that can start, that can be amazing, right, individual after individual, but it doesn't have to be that way. It's really just up to you. And it can be as easy as not wearing that mask anymore. And there's people, there's people in this country, you may not know them, I know them, but when 9-11 happened and the government said, we got this, go back to bed, child. When that happened, a lot of people went back to bed. A lot of people did. And you know what happens when you, when you lay in bed for 20 years and then you stand up and say, I'm going to do some jumping jacks. I'm going to go for a run. You fall right on the floor. Your muscles have all atrophied. There's people who have been standing up as soon as they were told, oh, you have to do the, the I surrender pose. You have to raise your hand like someone is sticking a, a gun in your gut. That's what you have to do every single time you travel by airplane. That, that's the new rule. There have, peop- there have been people who have never done that pose despite 40 trips back and forth every year since 2005, 2004, whenever that went into place. There's people who've been exercising those muscles every time. And when the face mask came along, they said, Sheh. they called me a terrorist and a baby killer for 10 years. Mm-hmm. These armed government, th- these government thugs with badges, not armed. Mm-hmm. You, you think, you think that I'm afraid of some silly mask order. I see nonsense when it comes up. This, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. This opportunity right now to stand up and exercise those muscles. Cause there's going to be a lot more need to exercise those muscles. And if you save yourself, if you save yourself, Oh, I'll just wait until it gets a little worse. I'm going to wait six months. I'm going to wait until X happens. That's not true. You have no boundaries when you're doing that. The boundary is now. It needs to stop now. And you can stop that in your own life.
1: All right, man, we'll leave it right there. That's so good. That's one thing that I don't want to wait until they're outside my house just coming to get my guns. Like that's where the line in the sand is drawn. It's too late by that time you know, it's, it's, it's too late. We get, you got to take these things as they come and not let all this stuff build up to a tyrannical government that we cannot possibly ever do anything about. And so I, I love that message, man. I really appreciate your time today. Nate, thank you. All right, everyone go check out the book Face Mask in One Lesson by Alan Stevo. We'll see you all next time.